What's up, purpose-driven entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Atia Nichols. She is the founder of Cache James Better Living LLC, and she's the author of the book Trials and Tribulations, How One Teen Mom Came Through Childhood Abuse and Poverty to Manifest a Million-Dollar Life. Atia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. So Atia, first things first, just to give our listeners some context, rapid fire, I want you to tell me about how your business works, how you started it, and how it's grown. Well, we are assistant living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we started back in 2014. We started with one group home, which is under the assistant living umbrella. And we wanted to expand because we were getting so many phone calls for needing placement for adults that needed places to live. And each year I would look into buying another home and starting another business. And that's just what we did on up into 2019, realizing that we wanted to expand to a CBRF, which is a community-based residential facility where we can house more than just three to four residents. We have been granted that to open a building of 25 bed, Amira Orchids Assistant Living under the umbrella of Cache James Better Living. And we provide 24 seven care. We provide meals three times a day, snacks in between. And we just help with activities of a daily living for our residents with caring, showers, bathing, anything that they may need to succeed in life until the end. Why assisted living? And what were you doing before that? Assisted living because uh, right out of high school, I had went on to get my CNA certified nurse assistant and I was working in nursing home. I had my son at 17 years old, I was pregnant and I knew that I needed more income than just um, some side job that I liked. And I cared for my grandmother and my aunts who were older individuals. When I was a young age, I didn't have the young grandmother, the spunky grandmother. I had the grandmother that was already in a wheelchair from time to time. So I had already learned some of those specialties to care for them and have patience and um, gratitude for what they gave us before my time was here to give back to them. Yeah. How does somebody build a assisted living home business? Like how do you get customers? How does it work? Well, uh, first of all, you have to know exactly who your customers are. Who do you want to care for? Do you want to care for younger adults, older adults? I uh, gear towards the seniors and some middle-aged adults that might have had terminal illness, early Alzheimer's and dementia clients, or maybe just been disabled um, due to birth or either just a disability that came along the way. You have to know who you're trying to attract. Once you figure that out, you start your application with the state of Wisconsin, and you have to have the funds to basically generate for three months to make sure you can care for them without any contracts from Wisconsin first, just in case things don't fall through, you're already set up to go. Did you take a big risk in starting it or did you, how did you end up getting the capital to do it? Well, um, I was working a job, of course, and I had started saving. We had just bought our first home and I realized I had to get my credit in order. So I started working towards getting my credit together. And once I did that, I became this money management person. I didn't even know that I had it in me. Okay. And before I knew it, 
after buying the first home, I said, you know what? I was working at St. Joseph Hospital on a stroke patient unit. And after I was caring for them, I had some great workers beside me. And I said to myself, I'm going to start my own group home and I'm going to see what I have to do. And I started reading. It was all within a book I bought online. I okay. started assisted living for like $20. I invested and I downloaded it and I started reading it. And um, I looked into it. I started saving my money. And um, when it came time to buy the second home, I had my down payment. My house was empty. Then I started talking more. I started marketing and people bought my, bought my dream and started moving in. I love it. What's your growth been like? And have you been making money? How have you been making money? I've been blessed to make money. <laughs> um, it started out kind of slow but we worked in those homes ourselves. Our kids went to school from those homes. We were we had just bought a home, but we were living in the group home more than we were at home. I was cooking, we were eating with our residents. It was more like a family. And uh, we started hiring new employees that were skilled caregivers. And we had a nurse on call, which is one of my best friends since seven years old. She's a registered nurse. And she got on board where she would do my wellness checks and things like that to make things run smooth for us. And it just was awesome. You know, it just went from one thing to another. And those contracts with Milwaukee uh, County had started falling through for us. And we negotiated rates because some people didn't have anywhere to go leaving hospitals and they needed somewhere for them to go. They would call us, Cache James Better Living, and ask them, do we have a room available for them? Yeah. Yeah. And Man. that's how it started happening. So you've built a successful uh, assisted living business. What's a commonly held belief about building this kind of business that a lot of people have that you completely disagree with? A lot of people think that it's overnight and that it's so easy. That's why, why do you think they think that way? Because the way I made it look to a certain extent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and <laughs> what, yeah, <laughs> what's been what's been uh, the what have been the biggest challenges? Oh, the biggest challenges is just trust in the process, trust in the process with um, with just enough money, with just enough money, and say, hey, if I lose it all, then no well that that's the that's the hardest part and then getting people to trust you with their family members um you know you have to tell them who you are you have to introduce yourself and getting people to love you for who you are and just allow you to care for them no matter what nationality they are you know once they get to know you they know that you're just there to care cater to them and serve them and give back to the community um that's the biggest challenge and Basically, a lot of people think that you can just jump in, start a home, and just start making money fast. Some people can. Some, some people can just do it that way. But if you want long-term, long-term financial success, you have to be inspired some kind of way to give back to them personally instead of just leaving them on caregivers and employees. You have to you have to have some type of space in your heart to know I want to go check on my residents. I want to know if they're okay. You know, not just word of mouth, but really having a heart for it made me more financially uh, successful, I believe. Where does that inspiration come from for you? That inspiration comes from my mother before leaving here. She was sick 
and she was going to dialysis uh, three times a week. So I was catering to her. Our family was catering to her and just hearing her talk about she was tired and um, she hated dialysis. She hated it. She said it made her, her skin cringe when she walked in there. And I just had to I had to um, just see exactly where she was coming from with that. So it allows me a space to hear people when they talk because I had a sick mother and I had a uh, ill grandmother before she passed and it gave me the heart for it. Having respect for my elders as well, it makes it much easier. If you suddenly had to change industries and start a different business, what do you think you would go and do? To be honest with you, I've always been a storyteller since I was a little girl. I was the mouthy little girl. And I wrote that in my book <laughs> because that's what people saw me as, the mouthy little girl. And I, I see now why, because I have a lot to say. I have a yeah. lot to say and I have a lot to give back and give uh, back to our community, our young girls, our youth. I cater to them because I want them to be strong individuals. And um I would, I would probably be like a motivational speaker for young women um, and women in general because they always call me for advice. Have you been on stage as much doing motivational speaking in that capacity? I have not. My first time speaking was the um, other day, Sunday, July 11th at my book signing. I yeah. spoke and it was amazing. And I got so many... Um, messages just saying thank you somebody started a business like the next day like you just encouraged me and and i saw my purpose in that message in those messages i think i think you have future in it have you not been getting hit up to get booked yet um i've been getting a couple calls um but not to that extent no because i'm always being like very shy but i plan to be bold within what god gives me this time around so I'm not, I don't have the time for the shyness anymore. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Don't. I love it. Well, <laughs> speaking of your purpose, so nobody, uh, nobody sets out to write a book if they're not thinking about their purpose that they're put on this earth to do. Yes. Um, your book is called trials and tribulations. How one teen mom, teen mom came through childhood abuse and poverty to manifest a million dollar life. Why did you write this book and what are you hoping that it accomplishes? Well, I wrote this book for women. I wrote, I wrote this book to inspire someone to hopefully show them God's grace in my life and my mother's life. Um, to also just do what God asked me to do on the inside because um, I started writing like five years ago, four or five years ago, and I would put it down and pick it back up because the story I'm telling is so vulnerable. And um, I had to find a way to fight through it. I called two and three of my siblings at time to make sure I was okay with writing this story. But I know through my story that God grace was there and I just had to share it with the world. Somebody has to hear this. This is not, it's not falsified at all. It's all authentic and it's real. And I know that it will help somebody's life to see the greater through poverty. It's still some little girl going through what I went through. There's still some little girl somewhere being abused. There's still some little girl somewhere in poverty. You know, it's still some little girl probably living with rodents as I wrote in my book and, and hating to go to school and scared if something might crawl out their book bag as, as silly as it sounds, but it's real. 
And I just want to lift them up and let them know that dreams still come true. That's my favorite line. And God has showed me that through, through the law of attraction, but he holds the law of attraction. And I just want to share that with somebody. What do you mean to. when you say that God holds the law of attraction? Because a lot of people say the law of attraction is granted through the universe. Yeah. Right. And that's so true. That is all true. But God holds the universe and whatever gets allowed through the universe is granted through him. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. 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 Um, how I'm curious to see how you've seen the uh, law of attraction play out in your life. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Every a transition happened in 2020 during the pandemic where um, God just showed me completely. He confirmed where I was. And it was amazing. And I had to put it in my book because I knew God gave that to me during the process of my book. He wanted me to fill that part in, fill that in. Don't leave me out. And um, it's just amazing. The law of attraction. I started seeing these numbers 1111 and 1144, then 444 uh, since the year of 2019. And I thought I was going to win a lottery. <laughs> I thought I was going, I promise you, I was going crazy. I'm like, I got Did you I buy a lot of tickets with those numbers? <laughs> I went crazy with the lottery, the end of 2019. <laughs> and then Oprah had a 2020 vision tour in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And I got there and my sister came and I invited some of my friends and we got there. I said, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I'm sitting on the floor because I can't miss the chance of Miss Oprah Winfrey coming past my aisle or my row. So that's what I did. One, she stopped right in my row. That was confirmation. Two, we had an assignment and a notebook. My numbers, we had to total out our assignment. My numbers were one, one, one. That was the second confirmation. I was where I was supposed to be. Um, then when I got back, this beautiful thing with me and God happened in August of 2020. And he just showed me, he confirmed where I was. I was reading. I was detaching myself from a lot of friends and just getting time to myself. I couldn't stop reading. I was just like wanting the next book. Cause it's like, he got to give me something in this book. He got to give me something and every time he would. And then he sent me to the bank to apply for a loan for this 25 bed. They turned me around the first time. Um, but then a year later, he sent me back in. He told me I was ready now. I wasn't ready then, but I was ready now. And when I went back in, they approved it. I had investors step in the bank and say, we want to help you. What can we do? Not only will we build you one 25 bed, but you have the option of doing whatever it is you want to do. So we had got approval for the land that we found. We were only to find two acres. This is God again, let me tell you. The year before the law of attraction, we were told to find two acres. I ended up finding six to seven acres of land, first of all. The address of the land was 10401. You take out the zeros, what do you have? Uh, one, zero, four, zero, one, four, one. My numbers. We got the land, six, six acres. Um, not to mention, um, 
it just kept happening like that. My numbers and everything that I did, the law of huh. attraction, it was just amazing. It just was amazing. And then also on the 11th of each month, something amazing happens. My son graduated last month, June 11th from high school. My book signing was July 11th of this month. And I just keep watching what God's doing. It's just amazing. Um, I, I receive anonymous checks on the first and on the fourth of the month sometimes where I'm like, look at God. I didn't even know this was coming. Oh my God. And I'm just not talking about two or $300. Even if it was, I still say, thank you, Jesus. Cause I know it was you, but I'm talking about, he just sent me residual income for nothing. He just surprises me. And that's yeah. my law of attraction. He holds it yeah. though. Yeah. I remember, I remember, um, man there's so many examples from my life that this makes me think of but one of them that it makes <laughs> me think of is uh back in 2000 i want to say it was like 2014 i i'd made the decision or 2013 i think it was i'd made the decision i was going to get out of debt um okay. i had done dave ramsey um and uh you know my opinions on dave ramsey have kind of changed a little bit uh no, no i'm nothing against him i think he's got amazing advice it's just not the greatest for entrepreneurs in my opinion but back then i i really took to heart this idea of like okay i gotta get out of debt get on a budget get really serious about my finances and um i just decided okay i'm gonna hunker down and i was married at the time so me and my wife uh we had decided we were gonna do this and um we were just praying and like, okay, we set a plan. It was going to last a year long. And uh, we were just going to live on next to nothing and get out of debt. And as soon as we had like set our intention to do that and started doing it, um, I got this gig through Disney. I worked at Disney at the time. I did, I did a commercial for Disney and the residual checks from that commercial equaled like a third person's income. It was like wow. my income, her income, and then this third like additional income uh, yes. and we were able to get out of debt in six months and i was like that wow. is there's one way to know that you are living the life that you're supposed to be living like you're living you're on the path that god wants you on and that is when that kind of stuff happens yes. <laughs> you go, yes. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do these things for god and then yes. god just starts God just starts doing all kinds of stuff <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's so true it's so I, true. When I think about you, Atia, I feel like you're probably, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like you're on the cusp of being somebody that is going to be on stages and giving talks and that kind of stuff. And I don't know how you feel about that. Well, but, thank um, you. I received How do you it. think about, how do you think now about knowing whether or not or how well you are on the path that God wants you to be on? Knowing or not? Um, yeah. How do you know personally now uh, when you are, when you aren't, how you are, how well you're following, all of that kind of stuff? Well, I feel like right now that I'm right there. I feel like that I'm there, but there's more that I have to do even for God. But I feel like business-wise, family-wise, he has approved where I'm at because he letting everything go so easily. It's, so, it's, it's nothing that I yeah. have to overdo. It's nothing that I have to put on a facade for or anything like that. Yeah. It's just happening. It's like if I speak it, he does it. 
every time. It could be, hey, tomorrow I'm gonna think about buying a four family. And then if I say, I'm gonna go to the bank, he's gonna make it happen. It's like, it's just gonna happen. Or um, I'm gonna put my kids in this gymnastic class and see how they do. Then they over exceeds. It's like every time if, if it's falling in line and then I had to cut back on some things of my past life with hanging out and doing things like that so I could spend time with myself and learning who I am and what I like because sometimes you could be around a lot of people. It could be noisy. It's hard for yeah. you to figure out who you are when the room yes. is too noisy. You have so many opinions and you have so many doubt doubters and um, good people, sometimes very good people, but you can't find yourself until you get quiet enough in a quiet enough space. And then when I do that, even if I'm getting weary and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing or what am I doing and what should I Amen. do next? It's like he sent me some type of message. I, I do like Bible study at night before I go to bed as much as possible. And, um, and I have these little pop-ups come on my phone just to confirm, just to keep me under that covenant. And these little pop-ups that just come to me, it's just like he's talking to me through his scriptures. Yeah. And it's like, I never got this feeling before. And I've been in church since I was a little girl. My mother was saved, my grandmother was saved, but I love God since I was little, but these messages is just like, he's talking to me personally. Like I confirm where you are or yeah. uh, the first should be last and the last should be first when I'm thinking that I'm not great enough for something. And it's like, no, it's just your turn. He like confirms it that way. Like, no, quit doubting yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, Atia, when, in your last interview that you did on author hour, the one, at least, I don't know if that was your last interview, but the one that I listened to, um, you said that there is a, uh, there's a, like a converse relationship between boisterousness and shame, or, um, you also said affection and shame. What do you mean by that? Well, with shame, I just found that a release for me we're releasing shame because it can hold you bound. It can make you very vulnerable. It can let make you let people push you over and you don't even know where it's coming from, but it could just be something that you're holding. It could be something that you just need to let out and don't care who has anything to say about it. And when writing my book, that was very hard for me to do with some of that because I was shameful for a lot of things that I wrote in my book. And when I um, heard Dr. Brene Brown talk about releasing shame, shame cannot survive where there is empathy. Mm. And I was like, whoa. Oh, man, that's powerful. <laughs> I said, whoa. I said, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. Um, I met so many different women that's been through things, abuse and mistreatment and things like that. And I was just tired of hearing the Me Too movement. I was tired of it, as glad as I am for it, but I was tired of it. And I'm like, how is this possible? How does this keep happening? How? How do I open up the eyes of the mothers who think they're doing a great enough job? How do I open up the eyes of the father who might think that they are tough enough to just say, you bet not touch my child and that's not enough. That might not work. You know, because it might just be somebody standing there who don't care or mental status is not stable enough to care. So therefore you have to be their armor. So it was just amazing for me to tap into that shame cannot survive empathy. 
It has no room. And I said, that's what happened. Me releasing it was like, uh, was like therapeutic for me. And that's why people draw to me. That's why my friends love to hear me talk as much as they probably hate to hear me talk, but they love to call me for advice and things like that. And I'm like, how do I end up always saying the right things for them? And they be like, thank you and crying getting off the phone, like how? And it's just like, you're so boisterous. You know what you want, you clear. You clear on what's going on. You're okay, you're good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, there's a question that I thought of to ask you yesterday. Um, and it was, uh, so I'm a kid's book author. Um, most of my business is around me taking uh, entrepreneurs and turning their thoughts about what their legacy will be uh, and, and helping them develop a kid's book that's going to accomplish that. But I had a question that I thought of to ask you, which was, what would be something if, if there was, I, I don't know if this is even possible with a kid's book, but it's like, what would be something that you as a child would have, like, it, it, could it have helped to have seen, to have heard, like, from a book? Or like, um, or like, if you were to make a kid's book for your younger self, what would it be? Uh -huh. hmm. A kid's book for my younger self. Yeah. The other it thought that be, I had, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I would say something about confidence for a child. Um, just letting, I would say something to the rim of um, uh, like, go girl, be confident, or something in that realm and teach confidence to kids. How do you show up confident in a room where you're so nervous or in a classroom where you're nervous or around friends who don't look like you. Um, how do you help a kid through that? How do you make it through that as a child? That would be good because that's what I, I was very friendly as a kid. So I made friends easily, but confidence was something I had to learn, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh man, this has been a good conversation, Atia. Thank you so much for 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 talking to me. Um, what is uh, how, how would you like listeners to connect with you? Well, um, we have a business, Cache James Better Living LLC. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We are assisted living. We um, have a mural orchids. It's under the umbrella of Cache James. It's in Milwaukee as well. You can find my book, Trials and Tribulations, on Amazon or either Barnes and Noble as well. And hopefully you get your copy. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you.